Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Dr. Dione Walsh, the Rangeland Program Manager for the Department of Primary Industries and Resources in the Northern Territory. Now, when we think of cattle stations, we think of mustering, helicopters and horses, but there's so much more to this industry that goes on behind the scenes, including a lot of research and development. In this episode, Dione's going to be talking about a new project called Paddock Power, which is trying to answer the question of, what is the best size paddock to have on a cattle station in Northern Australia to be able to achieve maximum productivity, profitability and improve land condition? Charles Darwin University's Agricultural and Rural Operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems, offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property or in the top-end ag industry while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. They will come to you and service some of the most remote areas in the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au. I'm Dione Walsh and I look after the rangelands and grazing land management uh, research for the Department of Primary Industries in the Northern Territory. And today we're going to talk about the Paddock Power Project. What is that, Dione? It's a new project that we've just started. Uh, It's partly funded by MLA and by the DPI and its purpose is to really look at the production impacts of paddock size and watered area and help producers make better decisions about how much they can invest in paddock development. So what was the initial problem um, that you or, and the team saw that kind of triggered this project to come about? Uh, we've done a lot of research over the last few years uh, on grazing land management uh, in Northern Australia and uh, most producers in Northern Australia have at least some paddocks on their place that uh, quite big or and or underwatered and uh, they're not getting the full production benefit out of those paddocks and so a lot of producers realise that they need to put in some more fences to subdivide paddocks and make them smaller or put in new water points to get uh, better utilisation of the country but of course that's a really expensive thing to do and at the moment a lot of people are flying a bit blind in terms of how much they can really afford to invest in that and get a good business outcome. So I think from my understanding, what the rule of thumb that most people go by is, you know, um, a three or between three and five K grazing radius. So what that is, um, is that when you, that cattle will graze, you know, up to five Ks from a water point, how does that fit into this project? Is is this kind of just taking the old rule of thumb that people are using and trying to really nut that down into a bit more of a science? 
Yeah, so there's already some really good science around that. So we've found that between 60 and 70% of grazing activity occurs within three kilometres of water, and about 90% occurs within that 5k radius. But there's still a lot of country in northern Australia that's beyond that 5k's from water. And so there's country there that could be developed and brought into production for a start. And we really understand the science behind the carrying capacity benefits that can be realised by developing waters in new country. But what's less well understood is if you reduce the distance that cattle have to walk to between water and feed, for example, what are the production benefits at the per head level that is are going to help not only produce more kilos of beef, but also reduce some of the costs associated with running these, these big properties with their big paddocks with waters a long way apart? So what, what are some of those costs that could be reduced? Well, some of the things, for example, uh, are mustering costs. So, for example, if you've got a really huge paddock and you've got lots of cattle in that single paddock, it might take all day to muster that paddock. So you've got a big crew of people, you know, multiple helicopters, and it takes all day. And then, of course, you've got those animals in the yard overnight, and it might take a whole day to process that one mob. Whereas we could see things like, for example, if your paddocks are a bit smaller, you've got smaller mobs, it takes less time to get those cattle into the yards, process them and get them back out again. And so there's a whole bunch of other things, not just costs, but also a lot of the sort of workplace health and safety and fatigue and also the production losses that occur by having large anim- numbers of animals in yards for long periods. So just trying to cut down on some of those production losses as well when animals are in yards off feed. So this project is quite holistic in that it's looking at um, how to get the best out of the country or the rangelands out of the cattle and then that economic analysis as well. Yeah, that's really the crux of it. Uh, one of the other big issues that we're looking at in the project is quite a few producers have told us they think that rates of calf loss are higher in these really big paddocks and these big breeder paddocks. And they suspect that this is probably because Uh, cows are having those calves maybe a long way from water and then they're parking those calves up to go back and have a drink themselves and either they come back and they can't find them or the calf is dehydrated or there's been you know a dog attack or something and so one of the things that we really want to look at in this project too is where are calves being born in these big paddocks and is there a benefit from making paddocks smaller and better watered in terms of things like calf loss And on the other production side too, of course, um, we see in a lot of these big paddocks that don't have enough water points in them that sometimes the feed gets eaten out quite close to water and that gets worse as the dry season or the non-growing season progresses. And that's when those breeders are at their highest energy demand. So they're having to walk further and further to get the nutrition they need at that peak time of energy demand. So their body condition starts to really drop off late in the dry. And so they'll have their calf. And of course, the cow, her milk production's compromised if her body condition's poor. But then, of course, it also impacts on her ability to reconceive if her body condition's too low. So there's all these things that we think are potentially having an impact on production uh, in these big underwater paddocks. And that's what we're trying to address. And... One of the other things that we're doing as part of the project is we've developed a calculator tool so people can sort of plan out some new development and actually test what that 
cost benefits going to be for their situation, for their land types and their management situation. And that's going to help people make a decision about which infrastructure is the best thing to invest in for them and which is going to give them a really good payback. So for people who may not be as familiar with northern production systems, how big is a big paddock? It's how long is a piece of string and how small are the smaller paddocks? All right, so I think we've worked out in the Barclay region, for example, I think the average paddock size is around 250 square kilometres, so 25,000 hectares, and that's the average. Um, I've got a paddock in the Barclay that we've been working in for 10 years now that's literally uh, 700 square kilometres in size, and so that's, you know, and that carries six or 7,000 heifers at a time, and you know, that's pretty substantial scale and what people, I guess, are starting to do is bring those paddocks down. I guess the smallest recommended size we can justify through the sites at the moment is around the 40 square kilometre mark is probably the minimum size for a traditional paddock. Um, obviously, there's smaller paddocks in the landscape for other reasons, like holding paddocks and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, so sort of probably, you know, under that 100 square K mark would be appropriate for a lot of places in the north. But of course, the fencing costs associated with doing that are really high. So we want to make sure that people can make those decisions in a really informed way before they decide what level of intensification they should be looking at. Can you take me through the project and what is involved with the data collection and how many places you're or where it's being trialled? Yeah, so we're doing a couple of different things. Uh, the first thing we're doing is a bit of a data mining exercise. And, you know, I'd certainly encourage anyone who's listening, if they've got really good paddock data from breeders, so preg test data and then weaning data from paddocks, if they'd like us to help them analyse that data to see what's going on in terms of things like calf loss and reconception rates and things in paddocks of different sizes, we're really keen to look at data sets like that. So that's one way people can get involved. The second part is some on-ground work that we're doing on a couple of places in the Barclay at the moment. Uh, we're just gearing up to start that. And we'll be putting GPS collars on lots and lots of cattle in these paddocks because we want to understand how far they are walking from water, potentially where they're having their calves, for example, and also, of course, measuring a lot of things around their, um, you know, their key performance indicators in terms of uh, preg. Uh, preg test results, their weaning rates, live weight gain. Um, we'll be you know, measuring some steers, for example, in these breeder paddocks to get live weight gain data. So measuring a whole bunch of things about the animals to measure performance with those. And we'll be doing that over a couple of cohorts of heifers, uh, most likely on a couple of properties. And, uh, and then the third thing we're doing is um, you know, rolling out these uh, calculator workshops. So this paddock power calculator we've developed, uh, we'll be looking to start doing some producer workshops using that calculator for real life scenarios for people from about the middle of next year. And if people want to get involved in that, then we'll come and do a workshop in, uh, in their region, in WA, Queensland or the Territory, if they want to get involved in that. Can you run me through a quick example of what, what you put into the calculator and what it can tell you? So what we've tried to do is just uh, make it so you can put in the minimum number of pieces of information you need to. So we don't want it to be a really onerous exercise. The first thing we need to do is we're going to set up a little tool to bring your pastoral map into uh, your computer. 
and then we can work out what your current carrying capacity is of the paddock that you're looking to develop. And then the producer will get to play with that tool and put in some new waters or some new fences. And then we'll recalculate what the carrying capacity change might be. And the other information they'll have to put in then is, you know, price for things like the new fences, uh, the new water point development costs. Uh, and we put in a few other assumptions around things like the price received for, for the beef sold off the place. And it essentially in the background all operates and calculates out and it will deliver a few different metrics. Uh, there'll be things like a benefit cost ratio, internal rate of return, uh, and how many years it will take to pay back that particular investment. And people can run those scenarios multiple times until they find a scenario that meets the thresholds that are suitable to them to make a decision to invest. So not only can this tool provide producers with the confidence to make these investment decisions, but that's potentially something they could take to their financial services as well to use to leverage funds and and capital to do these developments. That is absolutely the goal for us. And it, it was a big driver of the project because a lot of producers that were already spending literally millions of dollars on development we're saying we're flying a bit blind here and it's getting to the point where we're getting a bit of pushback from our financiers or the board of the corporate that we're working for and they're asking for more evidence that this is a good investment of funds uh, that they should be lending money for or providing capex for. And so we just recognised there was a bit of a, um, a gap in the market, I guess, for being able to provide that service And I'd also done some other analysis from some other grazing work that we'd done that basically indicates that some people are overcapitalising on development and they could probably be achieving very similar grazing land management and production outcomes and spending a bit, bit less money doing so. If people would like to get involved with the project, how should they contact you? There's a few different ways to get involved. Uh... If you're on Facebook, we've got a Facebook group, so you can just look up Paddock Power on Facebook and you should be able to come up with a group there and you just have to answer three simple questions so that we know that you're genuinely interested in the project and you can connect with the project that way. Uh, We also have a web page dedicated to the project on the Future Beef website. Again, just Google up Paddock Power Future Beef and that should come up. That'll also be a repository for all of the publications that are involved in the project. And you can go there periodically to get updates about what the latest data or media things are about the project. And there's all our contact details on that web page as well. And, of course, people could get hold of either myself or Kieran McCosker, who's also leading this project through the NT government at the Department of Primary Industries and Resources. There are currently over 1,100 compelling true stories on centralstation.net.au, which will open your eyes to what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. There are yarns from station managers, ringers, cooks, govies, pilots, vets and more, told with humour, self-deprecation and pride in a job well done. There are tales of working in stock camps, mustering cattle and how education and socialisation works in some of the most remote parts of Australia. There's stories about the wonder of living in an amazing landscape but also the perils that come with flood, fire and drought. And there's stories about the inherent danger of living in isolation, including times when the flying doctor has come to the rescue. These stories paint a vivid picture of outback life, the good, the bad 
and the dusty.